0: Discover community, find hope, and experience God. This is Discovering Hope with Pastor Paul Knight. How's everybody doing? What a great morning already. Oh my goodness. Uh, I I spent the last two weeks uh, in Israel and uh, had a great time. And it was amazing. But, But in all honesty, I love coming back home. Uh, thank you, yeah, it's, it's really good. Uh, l- let me ask a question. This was especially true of me when, uh, when I was younger, but still isn't necessarily not true of me. Do you ever feel like your spiritual life's on a roller coaster? L- like you're, you're up one time and then down and it drags another and then you're climbing up and it's like up and down and up and down, that your spiritual life kind of wavers. You know, sometimes you're really hot, sometimes you're really cold, and, and, and maybe it wavers according to what's going on around you. Like when you enter into marital, marital tension uh, and, or when you have personal sinfulness or financial struggles or political disappointments or you have uh, work challenges, you, you find yourself sometimes really strong and thin, then when this onslaught of things happens around you, it's like, oh, that you don't have any strength spiritually. And you wonder, is there any way that I can somehow solidify my life spiritually. The Apostle Paul is going to talk about that in a prayer. And he's going to talk about this idea of being rooted and established, that we don't have to have this up and down, up and down, and up and down, and up and down. That the problem probably for most of us isn't what's going on around us. Paul will say that the struggle, the battle, the need for reformation is within us. we tend to look at, well, if she was more, or if he was less like, or if our government would just, or if if my finances would just, or if I could somehow stop this, or if somehow this sin would, or if, and we start to look at all these things outside of us. The Apostle Paul in the prayer that uh, he's going to share with us speaks about this inner being space. That it's not really about what's out there. It's about what's in here. That most of our struggles are up and down spiritual stuff, isn't the battle on the external. Or the remnants of our past. Or the horrors of our future. It really has to do with our inner being. So if you want to open up your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3, this is, I I say this way too often and it's so uh, true and not true. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. About 20 years ago or so, uh, I I was with with a group of people and we were assigned to find a word that we wanted to represent our lives and I chose a word out of this passage. A a word that, uh, well I'll just tell you what it is, the word Rooted. And if you know me, that's like the antithesis of who I am. I don't want to, like, I want to change and move and do it. But but I thought the biggest need of my life, the thing that's going to transform me, is if I could be rooted in Christ, have a depth my trust in him and my love for him and his love for me that that i could find myself with my roots deep let me read the passage ephesians chapter 3 we're going to start at verse 14 and and let me just say this if if you're a person that's a follower of jesus christ and you've never been baptized at the end of the service you just come up if you if you're home or uh getting ready for communion make sure you have the elements there because we're going to roll right into the celebration of the lord's supper ephesians chapter 3 starting at verse 14 could we stand in honor of God's word, as the Apostle Paul tells us to kneel. (laughs) But we'll stand in honor of his word. Paul writes, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit, I ask you, Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit to strengthen us as your children in the inner being of our lives, Father, to teach us how wide and deep and long and high is your love, Father, that you would somehow transform the battles within us into places of rootedness and establishment in your love. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us today. That you would provide the unction of your spirit. And that you take words and drive them into our hearts. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I, I'm going to divide this message into two or three uh, weeks. But we're going we're to start with this, this first one. It, 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 it starts with this one. It, it's the phrase that Paul says, kneel. I kneel. I kneel before the Father. I, I kneel before the Father. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. What reason? What reason? Paul has been writing from prison this, this, this letter. And he, he says, he's, he's like, because of this, because of this reason, because of everything I've discussed with you, I kneel before the Father I kneel before the Father because I was once dead in my transgressions and sins hopeless and helpless and Christ made me alive and seated me with him on the right hand of God the Father that that I was once I, I kneel before the Father because I was saved by God's grace not by my works I kneel before the Father because I'm a piece of work I am God's masterpiece, his handiwork, his craftsmanship. Because of that, I kneel before my heavenly father. I kneel before the Father because I'm no longer an outsider looking outside the fence, wanting to be in, just wanting to be part of the family. I'm no longer there. I'm no longer an alien and a stranger. I'm part of the family. I'm a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because of that, I can kneel. I kneel before the Father because He's given me access. He's given me the Disneyland card that says, All that I am and all that I have is available to you as my child. I kneel before the Father because He's my cornerstone, because He's the one who who builds my life and shapes my life, that I find all of my purpose and all of my place and all of my meaning in relationship to Him as my cornerstone. I kneel before the Father because He's like a capstone. All of the weight of my life can rest on him. I kneel before the Father because I've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am forgiven. I am set free. I am his. I kneel before the Father because I'm on a mission. He has given me the good news of his kingdom. He's given me the mysteries of his kingdom. He's invited me to spread the message of his love and his grace to all the world. I kneel before the Father because of everything that's going on in this world. And I realize that when I kneel, it's an acknowledgement that I can't, but that he can I kneel before the Father because I'm not able to fix even the battles within me. But I trust that he is. For this reason, for this reason I kneel before the Father because I know that God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine to to work within us, to shape us, and to mold us, and to root us, and to establish us. I kneel before him. Because it's a posture. It's a posture of submission. It's a posture of reverence. I kneel before the Father because it's a posture of vulnerability. I kneel before the Father because my Heavenly Father is God, the Almighty One. I kneel before the Father. Because when I look at what goes on out there and what goes on in here, I can't fix it. And I can't control it. And I'm just one. But he is the beginning and the end. The Alpha and the Omega one. The all-knowing one. The all-powerful one. The always-present one. The unchanging one. I kneel before the Father because it communicates something. You've been in those meetings where posture is evident, right? Like, like you, 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 you sit in a meeting and you look across the room and they're like... Right? And, and that communicates, doesn't it? Like body language is a thing. Right? Like, like some of you, like when the sermon gets too long, it's like, <laughs> you start looking at all your stuff, right? And you pretend you're taking notes in your phone and you are really like doing Instagram. Right? Body language says something. And in, in, in the Bible, people when they prayed stood. People when they prayed sat. People when they prayed knelt. Jesus himself laid prostrate with his face in the ground? Your body language communicates something when you pray. When when was the last time time you you knelt before the Father? I, I would dare say if you don't periodically kneel, it's probably because you don't have a complete image of who God is. Matter of fact, if you never kneel, Maybe it's because you think you are God. Because posture says something. The apostle Paul says, "For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name." What what he's saying: I kneel before my Father, the one who's given me identity. He's given me a name. My identity isn't shaped by my passions. Your identity, if you're a Christ follower, isn't shaped by your passions. Your identity as a Christ follower isn't shaped by your failures. Your identity as a Christ follower isn't shaped by the things you know, the things you don't know. Your identity is shaped by, is, is named by, you find your being, your identity in him. He's the one who gives you name. He's the one who, like, like if you're a follower of Christ, you are are called a Christian. You are called a Christ follower. You are called a disciple of Jesus Christ. You you, you find your identity in, in him, not in the things around you, not in your bank account, not in your marriage, not in your singleness, not in your finances, not in your sexuality, not in your brokenness or your woundedness. You find your identity... In Christ, Paul bends his knee before the one who is the creator of all. Psalm ninety five, verse six, and says, Come let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For he is our God and we are his people. The people of his pasture, the flock, under his care, I kneel before the Father. You know how weird it is, like when you think of all the religions of the world, do you know how weird it is to call God Father? Not the God Father, God the Father. Like many religions, they, they would never speak of God in intimacy like that. Like Jesus says, we can call him daddy. I I kneel before my daddy, the God who loves me. It's not a religious thing. It's a relationship thing. I kneel before God because I'm safe there. I'm home there. G.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, writes this. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father or her father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his or her worship, that controls his or her prayers or his or her whole outlook on life, it means that he or she does not understand Christianity well or very well at all. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls worship and prayers and the whole outlook on life, the idea that God invites you to call him Father, then you probably don't understand your faith well enough. He's a perfect dad. He's a loving dad. And I I know, I know some of you, you you would say to me, well, the whole idea of God as Father is wrecked because my father. I, I, I understand that but I would invite you to kneel before him and ask him to reshape the word Father based not on the failures of yours, but on the love of him. Right? Let God define who he is, that he is your Father, and he, he invites us to pray. Not to stack a whole bunch of words, not to do fancy, like, like, like you know, some of us, like I remember when I first became a follower of Christ. I, I was with a group of guys and we were camping and they, they were going around in a circle praying. And I, I realized, oh, I better rehearse this. And so I tried really hard to do fancy words. I, I think I even called God "thine" or, or "thou dost," right? Or like, like, I would never talk like that. But like he invites us to relationship, not a religious exercise. In, in the Lord's Prayer, it, it starts, our Father. The Apostle Paul, what, what he's saying here, he is from prison. From prison, he's kneeling before the Father, the one who every family in heaven and earth derives their name, who gets their name, that we find our Personhood and our identity before Him. Here's a here's a little invitation. At some point today, get down on your knees, and for whatever reasons you can muster and remember about Him and what He's done for you, kneel before Him in this place of reverence and vulnerability and humility and submission. I know some of you are physically unable. I know others of you, it will be very difficult to you. For those of you who it's difficult for, step into the, kneel into the difficulty and place yourself before God, your Father. So Paul starts with that reason. And then he launches into the prayer. And, and we're going to cover two of these ideas today. The first one is praying for inner strength. Praying for inner strength. He, he writes it this way. I pray that out of his glorious riches, or in some translations, I pray that according to his glorious riches, this, our, our God who has all of the wealth of the entire universe at his hand, all of the blessings of the entire, I, I pray that out of his glorious riches, according to his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with Power. That God would move in with this, the Greek word is dunamos, this, this explosive, reshaping, just like restructuring kind of power. I, I pray that he would strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that he may strengthen you with power through his e- Spirit in your inner being. Wait a minute, God. I want to pray for her. I want to pray that that they stop bombing that country. I want to pray for that. I'm not saying don't pray for that. But the greatest battle, the greatest battle, the greatest battle, the greatest battle isn't out there. It's in here. Most of our struggles spiritually aren't about that or that or that or that. Most of our struggles spiritually are in our inner being. So he wants us to put his Holy Spirit in here and begin to reshape and refabricate and help us dig deep. They strengthen us in our power. Kent Hughes, who's a pastor from the Chicago area, writes this, just as the ill or infirm need to be strengthened so they can take in all that life has to offer, So, also, God's children need to be inwardly strengthened to receive all the blessings God desires for them. Paper bags are not fit containers for valuables that what he's saying is that we need to have a work of God so that we can contain, so that we can host, so that we can have all of the blessings of his kingdom. When I, when I was a kid, uh, I, I grew up in Proctor, Minnesota. Some of you, I, I talk about this too much probably. But uh, at Halloween, which I know it was Halloween, but I didn't know better, right? My, my, we, we did the, tr- the trick-or-treating thing. We'd go on one side of town and then on the other side, and we fill our bags with as much candy as we could. And it was amazing. Like the, the hundreds of houses, we just like, Pack them full, and we'd have our paper bags, and we target usually target bags with the red mark on there, and and we'd bring them home and full of all these treasures. Well, there's some East Side kids, West Side kids, West Side kids, evil children that lived on the West Side beyond the railroad tracks. They had this bright idea that they could steal our candy from us, and we would run, and we would fight in our paper bags. They they would rip at them, but here's what they got: they got in their mind that if we just pour water into the bags. All the candy comes pouring out. Oh! That the easiest little storm, the easiest little pressure from the inside or the outside would tear open the bag and our treasures would fall on the ground. We have Christ and all the blessings of the spiritual life, all of the wonders of forgiveness and grace and mercy within us. And we need the power of God. We, you know what we did? We went and got our pillow sacks, our pillowcases, and we put our treasures as we went around in our pillowcases. And so when they came to try to pour water, <laughs> no way, I didn't do that. We battled back by making the vessel stronger than the power of the enemy. The West Side kids on the other side of the tracks. Kids that went to Summit Elementary School. Horrible kids. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Until I was transferred to Summit in fourth grade, then I realized how beautiful they were. <laughs> but we're trying to put spiritual things the power and presence of God without the reworking of God. We have these treasures of God in torn and damaged vessels that at the slightest discomfort, at the slightest storm, we rip open and we fall apart. And God has so much for us. We want to be able to receive everything he has for us. Stuart Briscoe, another preacher, tells the story of the little boy who fell into this huge vat of honey. He was like eight years old and he fell into this huge vat of honey and he cried out to God, Lord, make my capacity equal to my opportunity. Help me take in as much as is available. Wouldn't that be a wonderful prayer for us that God would do such work in our inner being that when he dwelled within us, he was more and more at home. There's two words that Paul could have used for the dwelling place of Christ. That, that when he comes into our lives, let me repeat the passage. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. There's, there's two words that Paul could have used. The first one is, is para, kete, para oikeo. Par oikeo. Par o, oikeo. The second is kat oikao, two Greek words. Par oikao basically means to dwell like it's in temporariness. It's it's like like a hotel room. The other one that he chose to use that Christ may dwell is like home, a place where you belong, a place where you're the owner. The Living Bible Translation takes Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 and says this, I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts, living within you as you trust in him. I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts, not, not, not functioning like a visitor, not someone you, you push out on Friday nights, not someone you push out during the conflict With your spouse, not someone you push out when you're trying to pressure your kids, or someone who is more and more at home because he has shaped the interior of who you are with his power of his Holy Spirit. Paul's praying for strength in our inner being, he's praying for an inner being miracle. I think of all the miracles I pray for. Almost always, they're out there, miracles. But what if we would pray, God, do the work here? Do the work here. You know, and when you're kneeling and you're before God, it's not like something we work up so that He's pleased with us or we work it up so that He does what we want. This inner working, this spiritual work, is something He sends down because we're his children and we yield to him and we're open to him. Here's, here's the last piece of, of this prayer that we're gonna look at this morning. This is point number three. Paul is praying for the comprehension of love. And I pray, Paul writes, that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge to to grasp he's saying "I, I want you to be able to lay hold of it I want you to be able to attain it I want you to be able to make the love of Christ your own I want you to get it I want you to understand how much he loves you. I, I, I want you to know the, the, the width and the height and the depth and the length of his love. I, 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 I want you to really, 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 really understand it in the depths of your being so that no matter what goes on out there, you are rooted and established deeply in his love, that there's nothing going to ch- waver that for you. I, I want you to get it. I want you to understand that he died for you. That he gave it all for you. Because he loves you so very much. You matter so much to him. Listen, to this. Let this verse just stun you for a moment. This is in John chapter 15 verse 9. Jesus says just as the Father has loved me. Think about that. Just as God loves Jesus. I would guess that's a pretty solid, pretty secure, pretty magnificent, pretty awesome, pretty unwavering love. Listen, Just as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Just soak in that for a second. I know what you did this week. No, I don't know what you did. You know what you did this week. It hasn't wavered His love for you at all. In the same fashion that God the Father loves Jesus... with the same capacity as God the Father loves Jesus. He loves you. But I don't deserve that. I, I, I kneel before the Father because he loves me in such a magnificent way. He said, I want you to know how, 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 how stunning that is, the, the depth of that, the unwaveringness, the undiminished part of that. I, I want you to be rooted in that. I want you to drive the roots of your life so deep into the love of Christ that no matter what storm waves on the top of your life, you are rooted deeply in His love. Then nothing can rob you of His love. Nothing will make you question His love. Nothing will make you think, I wonder if He still loves me because you're deep, 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 drawing strength and stability. I I want you to be established like the foundation of a house. You know, it's talked about... uh, the, the walls on our church go like eight feet or so into the ground. When, when they built the, the addition here, I, I remember looking. They dug a long way down. This, is, this, this house is like a bomb shelter. That's where your heart can be rooted and established. In his love, able to withstand the storms and the seasons of drought or the seasons of disaster in your life, the stability that comes from his love. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, 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 how wide, wide enough to include anybody who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Long enough to take you into eternity. The love of Jesus, is says when he has you, you have a guarantee of your inheritance in heaven. Ephesians 1 verse 13, high enough, deep enough. A.W. Tozer writes, because God is self-existent, his love had no beginning. Because he's eternal, his love can have no end. Because he is infinite, his love can have no limit. Because he is holy, it is the quintessence of a spotless purity. Because he is immense, his love is incomprehensibly vast and bottomless and shoreless. I can't make you let him love you, but I'd like to give you an invitation. Let God love you. But ask him. Ask him to pour the power of his spirit into your inner being so that when your marriage is wavering, you're secure, rooted, and established in his love. When your finances are tanking, that you are rooted and established in his love. That when the politics are dreaded and awful seeming, when the world is in massive discord, you can find yourself rooted and established in his love. And then by his grace and by his mercy, by the love that he puts in us, we can love him in return. And love others in Jesus' name we can find our identity in him we are church is people called out on purpose for a purpose for this reason i kneel before my father in heaven because he's fond of me and he loves me. That love was demonstrated on the cross. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. It's a reminder of the width of his love for us.